Yeah, I wasn't sure how this playlist was going to go. Just, like, there's so much, and it could either be, like, really corny or really serious, and I think we kind of did a good job of doing both. Yeah, I think so, too. I actually really enjoy this playlist. Like, even the Ryan Gosling band that I fucking hate. <laughs> you somehow found the least offensive one, and it still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely went through the whole album, and I was like, Ugh, which one did I not want to skip and that's the one i picked <laughs> yeah i like I, I went straight to the title track and i was like this is the most abysmal song i've ever heard in my life it is suck mm-hmm. yeah it's like oh cool ryan gosling did a horror band this should be cool nope it's fucking terrible i watched a tiktok on it and someone was like it's really cool you should check it out and so i checked it out and it luckily it was while we were building this playlist <sighs> yeah whatever it's still fun yeah yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a novelty, whatever. He, mm. he didn't do it. He didn't do it for us. He did it because he wanted to make horror music with his friend. Yeah. Well, you want to jump into it? Let's jump into her. Hey, everybody! Welcome back. We are in back into playlists this week. Uh, this suggestion comes from our friend Aaron, who suggested we do a dual threat playlist. And what we mean by that is actors who also have bands or vice versa so with that in mind let's get into it Yeah, I gotta tell you, man, the, the the bringing the playlist back was so exciting for me. Yeah, it I, just feels more it feels more right for us. Yeah, <laughs> but I also was like kind of getting burnt out on playlists, so I'm glad we we uh, did an, a month of albums because I know yeah. it's something we wanted to do last month. Mm-hmm. But this was a, a really fun first playlist to get back into, and like you mentioned, thank you to Aaron for for bringing it up to us. Um, a lot of our our best playlists, I think, are from people just outside people that give us something cool to to think about or you know i would have never thought to do like actors and musicians because in my mind they're either good at one or the other and they're just trying really hard at the other um yeah so to talk about dual threats is is really fun to me yeah it's that classic thing like every nba player wants to be a rapper and every rapper wants to be an nba player and there's only one that they're good at so um, except for Shaq. I think Shaq was kind of legit as a rapper, but he's also now a DJ who is actually puts on killer sets at like festivals too. So Shaq, Shaq is a, is a, is a superhuman though. So he's an enigma. Be... He's the exception to every role. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was excited to do this as well. Um, it's, it's fun doing playlists, especially when they come not from our brains because it for, it really forces us to kind of think outside the box. Like normally if we come up with it, whoever suggests it already has like half of their playlist in their head already. So having to start fresh, like, Oh shit, I don't know. So the first, the first thing I did was just literally Google actors who have bands and just went through the list and picked, picked some that sounded interesting. Um, so yeah. Uh, thanks again, Aaron. It was an awesome suggestion and uh, can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of cool that I've always kept in my back, the back of my mind, like, Oh, these are, people that I've watched on TV shows or movies and I 
looked them up afterwards and I saw they had music and I've been listening to it, whether it's consistently or, you know, periodically, like every time Stranger Things comes back on, I'm like, I'm going to throw on Calpurnia just because <laughs> Finn Wolfhard is on the front of my brain. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, there's just something about n- these bands and some of these artists that like, I don't know, they're just really cool with or without the context of them as actors or yeah. vice versa. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's fun to, it's fun to take a peek behind into somebody's else's passion. So, um, without further ado, you want to get into audience submissions? Let's do it. Cool. Um, do you have, did we get emails this week from we Ben did. and Louie? Okay. Let me, let me pull one of those up. How about you do Louie this week? You haven't done a Louie email in a while. I'm about to do Louie so good real quick. Um, <laughs> his email title is it's Morbin time, which I just yep. watched the clip of that and it's awesome. Um, Double Threat Week is finally upon us, and I take nothing seriously. I submit to you the ultimate multitasker in the morb himself, Jared Leto, with 30 Seconds to Mars's The Kill, parentheses, Bury Me. He's a rock star, actor, crippled vampire doctor, clown, and the list goes on. If this song gets enough love, I'll submit it again in two weeks. Um, I really appreciate the contribution, Louis. Um, you know... I'm glad someone picked Jared Leto and 30 Seconds Tomorrow's because I wasn't I wanted to talk about it, but I also didn't want to pick it. Yeah, um, same here. This track was my jam in junior high, and it's like the butt rock of alt rock. And yes. um it's kind of sad because it's kind of the trajectory of Jared Leto's career. It's like this is good if you have nothing else to compare it to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. If this is the first thing you ever heard, it's not that bad. But if you yeah. have been listening to music, you know it's not great. Yeah, he's the only fish in this pond, so it's it's beautiful compared to everything else. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. It's uh, when we the first when we first started talking about this, I was like, thank God we get a platform to shit on Jared Leto and what an absolute douchebag he is in every single thing that he does. He looks like a douche. He acts like a douche. His band is douchey. <laughs> Um, it's just perfect. I mean, um, and I honestly, I didn't know this was a 30 seconds to Mars track until literally this playlist. I just knew this somewhere. Like I've never, ever literally listened to 30 seconds to Mars intentionally. Um, and it, but it makes so much sense, like hearing these verses and how just so purely refined emo butt rock it is. It's like, that is Jared Leto to a T that being said, this chorus fucks so hard. I love it, dude. Like it's it's just such a good anthemic chorus. Like it's almost it almost makes me kind of want to like Jared Leto because I do love the chorus of this song so much. I mean, it's it's iconic to anybody who grew up in like our era. Like you heard this shit everywhere. Yep. Whether you like whether you wanted to or not. Like I said, I I've never intentionally listened to 30 Seconds to Mars, but I know this song. This back is to front. <clears throat> dark swoopy hair. You know, it's it's everything you want in a emo, but it's almost like capitalizing on emo culture in a way. You know, it's it kind of feels like, hey, this is really popular right now. I'll make a song for this, and it'll be a hit. And it was. Um, well, I mean, I will say that Jared Leto is extremely dedicated to Thirty Seconds to Mars. Like he's never really given up on it. Um, so in that respect, I can. I can respect him for like his he because he could have just said I'm going to be an actor now and just forget about 30 seconds to Mars, but he he doesn't like he still kind of is active with them or at least 
fairly recently he was so yeah um i should mention zoe loves him and mr nobody i don't know if you've seen that it's from Mm -hmm. like 2009 um it's kind of it's a bizarre movie but she loves it and i watched it and i didn't hate him in it so that's something i feel i feel like he's a decent actor he's just such a try hard you know it's like he's he's constantly trying to prove himself to himself and nobody else gives a shit so it makes him a douchebag you know what i mean yeah so like i i don't know i i feel like he's i don't know he's robert downey jr's character in uh tropic thunder (laughs) yeah that's literally what he does exactly dude um yeah our second submission is from ben carter wonder boy by tenacious d and you have his email pulled up i do and it's titled uh pluck that low-hanging fruit shoo-wee boys it's hard for me not to talk edm fresh out of another amazing experience at electric forest but i'll happily yield hodor to kevin uh just a quick rag that I've seen him live, winky face. So Ben's seen Christian Nairn live. Um, my sub- <laughs> my submission is a little on the nose, but eh, whatever. These uh, Jack Black was a natural wonder if the two thousand of the two thousands, and I forgot how much I love Tenacious D. Sometimes Wonder Boy got the wheels played off in my youth, and listening again brought a sheepish grin to my face. That's telekinesis, Kyle Benji, Columbus, Ohio. I appreciate you doing the voice. Yeah, I got to. I mean, it's <laughs> Wonder Boy. And that that first, that Tenacious D album was released in the middle of my high school years. And I played the absolute wheels off of it. I mean, this is before like Jack Black really broke big as an actor. And really, like he got big from Tenacious D. I, I, and I'm sure he did some acting before that, but I, I don't think a whole lot of people were aware of it. And all of a sudden, this perfect high school slash college age boy band came out singing about making dick jokes and fart jokes and being goofy um singing a song about a tribute to the best song in the world it's not the actual best song in the world i mean it's just it's it was just so perfectly 16 to 22 year old boy that it's just it was i don't know and you know you put put on top of that like they're both really, really good musicians. Like Kyle Gass is a classically trained guitarist and is really, really good. Uh, Jack Black has great vocal chops, um, and he can also play rhythm guitar. They're just—it was just—it was a perfect storm for what early aughts boys wanted. And, and uh, you could tell these guys like truly love music. They're not doing yeah. it just to be funny. It's because they really want to make this kind of music. Yeah, and I think they're respected within the, the music industry, too. I mean, if you watch The Pick of Destiny, the amount of cam- like really big cameos they have in that movie. I mean, Dio, Meatloaf, Dave Grohl. I mean, there's some titans in the industry that like respect Tenacious D, even though they are a band of two fat guys making dick jokes. It's it's great. I mean, Wonder Boy, is, it's a beautifully written song. Like, Jack Black has a really big range in this song. Like, he goes falsetto. He gets deep in the growls. It's just, I don't know, it's really, really funny, but also really good. And I've said it a bunch this year. Joke bland, joke bands plus talent equals my favorite thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's funny Ben calls it low-hanging fruit because I call it necessary, especially for a yeah, playlist like this. Like, he is the one of the shining examples of you can do it both if you care about it enough. And yeah. 
he gave us so much uh, fun and humorous music and tenacious D and also in one of my favorite movies of all time, School um, School of Rock. Um, and he's needed on this list for that exact reason because that movie is the dual threat playlist come come to fruition. Yeah, I mean, when I talk about gut-busting bass solos, it's directly ripped from that movie. Like I when I I think he's talking about a drum solo at that in the movie, but that I just love the term gut buster so much yes. from that movie that I, I I adopted it into my own lexicon because I don't know. It's just you can feel his passion for music and acting in that movie. And it's just I don't know. Say what you will about Jack Black and how kind of cringy he can be sometimes. He is passionate and uh yeah, I'm sure he's a blast to be around. Yeah, there there was an interview he did. He was like, "I made the movie I always wanted to make in School of Rock," and like everything after that was just like icing. It's like, yeah. damn, that's awesome. I love that I he think, loves uh, music that much. Yeah, I think I think a couple of those kids went into went on to actually be in bands, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, and it's just it's a cool movie. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. I'm sure we'll end up reviewing it someday. Yeah. Um, my wife always says "Roddy" by Joe D J O. Um, it's Joe Carey from, uh, Stranger Things who plays Steve. Uh, we're recording the day, um, the second part of season four came out. So we're on pins and needles on what's about to happen, but to get into the song is definitely, I'll, I'll let you go first. Cause I kind of piggyback off what you say. Sure. Sure. I was like, oh damn. Okay. Steve, uh, this is, it's, it's much better than I expected it to be seeing it with Steve, um, from stranger things. And it kind of feels very, it feels very, very much like a magical mystery tour B side. That's the kind of vibe I get from it. It's this kind of weird indie trippy rock folk song that is kind of off kilter. Um, but it's cool in a way and it's cooler than me. And that's exactly what I like about magical mystery tour is this is a level of like just self-awareness that i could never achieve and i think that's why i love that album so much it's almost transcending self-awareness like you were in such a different place that like this music just came out and you're like it is what it is um yeah it definitely has that magical mystery tour feel to it and we've been listening to it a lot and my wife and i just cannot figure out if we like it but if we continue listening to it i think we do it's just one of those weird things that like it feels familiar and foreign and old and new. And that I think it's that off kilter. You can't really, maybe the timing signature is weird. I don't know. There's just something about it that um, makes it really enjoyable and makes you want to keep listening. And that's all you can want from an alt pop track. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that, that to me is a sign. That's the kind of music I like where it challenges you on whether you, if you like it or not to me, that's, that means it's doing something pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Um, and if you keep listening, um, that means it's, it's at least interesting, right? Yeah. Unlike, uh, old, old, the Gaza's side project we'll get into later. That's, <laughs> that's just, that's challenging in a way that's not good. Yeah. So, uh, next we got our buddy Mason. Uh, he submit can't stop by the red hot chili peppers. And I, I think Anthony Kiedis has done some acting, but we, we talked about flea specifically, uh because he's actually a really good actor he's he's in a bunch of stuff i know him from uh his role in the big lebowski uh where he plays one of the nihilists in the movie and he doesn't have a whole lot of like speaking parts but he his 
physical acting is really good in that movie and he just looks like a crazy person so and that's, um, that's who he plays in back to the future and that's what i know him from yeah needles yeah, from exactly. back to the future um but yeah it's uh can't stop by the red hot chili peppers i've I used to be obsessed with Red Hot Chili Peppers in in high school. Like I played the wheels off uh, Blood Sex Sugar Magic um, for the longest time. I wanted that album cover tattooed on me, like the tribal art. When back when tribal art was a cool thing to do in the early aughts. Um, thank God I didn't get it. But uh, and then after a while, I swore them off forever. I mean, I took a road trip to Maine. I don't know seven eight years ago and one of the only cds i had available in my car was a red hot chili peppers cd so i listened to that to the point where i wanted to puke um but they'll always have a place in my heart as being one of the first bands i listened to that that didn't quite sound like a lot of the other mainstream stuff on the radio they were different they were very they're very funk bass heavy focused and i think them and you know guar and faith no more and stuff like that they're always going to have a special place in my heart because they they showed me there was more than just the verse chorus first chorus outro so yeah i i think i grew up with them always being kind of in the forefront so for me i'm just i've always been kind of lukewarm on them they've always been on the radio it's and it kind of reminds me of like the people that when they first started smoking weed, they wanted people to know that they were a stoner now. So they're listening yeah. to red hot chili peppers. And that's forever. The like idea I have of red hot chili peppers in my mind is yeah. like the stoner starter kit. Yeah. Don't, I mean, don't get it twisted. They, they're definitely mainstream. Like they, they are incredibly, incredibly popular, but they just sounded a little different than like your normal alt, alt rock from the early nineties. So it was, it was just something a little different that I kind of latched onto in my younger days, but yeah, they're, they're definitely one of the most recognizable bands in the world. So yeah, it um, wasn't always that way, but you know, it's, it's cool that they had, they found a voice inside of all the bullshit that's on pop radio. So, it, yeah. it's hard to be mad that they're on the radio but i always yeah, grew up with right. them on it so it's like kind of like the beatles like you can't really appreciate them because they've always been around right exactly um so yeah let's get into our picks uh i do you want me to go first or do you want to go first i can go first okay um just because i know how we get with our lists and if we don't go in <laughs> yeah, order yeah, yeah. it gets <laughs> <Yeah>. bad <laughs> we'll miss one yeah um, for sure my first track is Greyhound by Calpurnia. Uh, Calpurnia is banned with Finn Wolfhard of Stranger Things, uh, second Stranger Things reference we've had. Um, and this track sounds like what it felt like watching season one or two of Stranger Things, especially now when you go back and watch them and see how young they are. He sa- Finn sounds so young in this track, but you know he was around 15 or 16 when this track was being made and came out, and it's really fun for a bunch of kids it's almost like hearing a garage band but yeah it like studio studio quality you know there's driving guitars songs about relationships and there's some fun guitar solos that shows that like they aren't just making a band to be popular they're they appreciate the music and the guitar solos really show that i think and um it's better than you'd expect from a teenager's first band um yeah go ahead yeah, no, I mean, I took my notes after you did. So, yeah, I, I read your note on it, and I was like, yeah, that sums it up perfectly for me. It's basically a high school battle of the bands type band. 
and it's it's cool for that reason. And you know, I may hate looking at Finn Wolfhard's emaciated corpse body, but <laughs> this is this is a fun fun track. Um, I kind of picked it because I know you hate Mike so much from Stranger yeah, Things. Well, and he's just a hard person to look at. He's just he's just so he's it's his body is grotesque and uh, but <laughs> you i mean it's i don't hold that against him in this track it's fun um and you can hear him slip in and out of tune a lot in the track but it's also kind of endearing because it's like you said it's 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 a 15 16 year old kid uh who's taking advantage of the fame that he had to kind of put together a, a pretty decent little garage band and i i you gotta you gotta appreciate that and it kind of reminds me of something you'd hear on one of those existential cartoon network cartoons yeah. like it would it would fit right in in like um gravity falls or adventure time it's that's their kind of vibe so just very amateurish but also kind of cool music to go along with the kind of surreal uh shit you're seeing on your screen yeah it's funny you bring up uh Adventure, Adventure Time, because uh, your first yeah. pick. My first pick is Los Angeles by Olivia Olson. She, I know, and I realized going into it that picking a voice actor was stretching the 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 means of it a little bit. But I love Olivia Olson so much that I had to pick her. I mean, this the song she sings is Marceline, especially in the later seasons. Uh, like they hit such a hard emotional chord for me, especially when you know the context of the songs. And the way she's able to convey emotion with her voice, it's it's like what it's 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 in that vein of like your typical. I talk about it later, like the Zoe Deschanel pick me girl voice, um, but it's she's better than that. She's got more dynamic range than that. Um, I don't know. It's just she, and she's just got a, like an effortless cool to her, and uh, I, I really, really, really wanted to pick one of the songs from Adventure Time. I had three of them on the the playlist before I had to cut them down and decided to go with Los Angeles, which was her first single as a solo artist, because it's cool. I I really thought this would be the one that you specifically would enjoy the most because it's kind of that Cali Cali vibe that you tend to enjoy. Um, It's about growing up as a girl in Los Angeles and how she just doesn't give a shit about the world because she doesn't have to because she was, you know, bitch i can't stop you're crazy I, you know i was you know she was a cali chick raised me or whatever the fuck the lyric is i did it's just really cool i don't know i i, I love olivia olsen and i would marry her today if she wanted to <laughs> <laughs> yeah zoe actually when we were listening to this she's like does it count if she's mainly a voice actor and i say yes i it's she's still a dual threat it's it's not easy to be a voice actor um I like Olivia Olsen in this track because her voice is sweet and yet assertive and it makes for like a really cool different kind of feel for an acoustic pop song. Um, Colby Callier, I don't remember how to say it. Colby Callier. Her voice was always too sweet. It was almost like this needed to be playing at like a like a tampon commercial or something, but this is yeah. like almost w- way more assertive and it's almost like she's sweet, but she'll crack your neck if you cross her. Um, and that's, that's yeah, I mean, a re- really cool sound to have. Yeah. I mean, her first lyric talks about like 
drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes. Like that immediately kind of sets the tone for like who she is as a person. And that, mm-hmm. that immediately gives it a little bit more edge than like your typical uh, coffee shop female vocalist with a acoustic guitar it it just it it lends it has a little bit more grit to it and i really like that yeah yeah um i i'm sure kev's gonna be jazzed to talk about her as marcelina the vampire queen from adventure time um my wife zoe is convinced that i will love her because she's an emo queen and um I don't know. Every, everyone should know Olivia Olson from the "Sorry, I don't treat you like a goddess." The like TikTok yeah. sound. I say that all the time. It's always like, you don't even know what that's from. I'm like, I'm sure yeah. it's from a show that you've seen that I haven't seen, and Kevin's yeah. seen and I haven't seen because <laughs> you guys are just cooler than me. Um, but yeah, I I looked her up and I was like, damn, Marceline the Vampire Queen looks cool as hell. Yeah, yeah, man, it's 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 awesome. Uh, Marceline is is sick. I mean you will love her because one of her first emo moments in the show is her singing a song about why her dad ate her fries daddy why did you eat my fries and it's it's like you see finn in the show he just like as he's listening to it he like slowly like slows down keeping the beat because he's like oh i shouldn't be hearing this (laughs) It's, it's it's she's just like a perfect like uh caricature but also like homage to like an emo goddess kind yeah. of thing it's she's just a cool character um but yeah let's get into your second pick um my second pick is the last sound love makes by don johnson mm-hmm. um what's better than an actor trying to capitalize on his fame by dropping a pop album especially in the 80s like this was the this was almost like too down the middle for me to pick but i did it anyway mostly because i didn't know don johnson made music I was really close to picking like Vin Diesel or um, Bruce Willis, something stupid, but this actually was kind of catchy and I listened to it and I was like, this chorus kind of slaps. Yeah, it does. It's awesome. (laughs) It's at the height of like Miami Vice too. So you can see him like in his, uh, his jacket and his t-shirt, his V-neck underneath. And this album isn't awful. I listened to the whole thing and um, the first album wasn't bad and the follow-up album got shit on to the point where he's just stopped making music. Um, but it's just perfect eighties pop. It's frozen in time because it has that corny yet endearing quality. And I'm sure you're going to get into that here in a minute, but the chorus rocks and it would like succinctly fit into a rom-com where like they've gotten together, but now things aren't going to work out and you just think they're going to break up. And like the guy's like sulking down somewhere in new york city thinking about how it went wrong and he's trying to figure out how he's going to fix it that's exactly what the song is made for yeah i mean this would absolutely fit in like a nick and jess part where they were having a fight you know what i mean yeah um so but yeah no man it's i've talked about it so much on this show but i fucking hate 80s electric snare it's the it's my kryptonite it's and it's so fucking heavy in this song it's it and as I was listening to it this morning, I thought that sound is like listen trying to listen to an actual song while somebody holds up a giant Tupperware tub to your ear and slaps it with a spoon in time with the music. It's just so fucking distracting. <laughs> like, it shouldn't be that forward in the track. It shouldn't sound the exact same every single time. I don't know. I don't I don't know what people were thinking when they thought that sounded good. It sounds miserable. Um 
it's just i don't know it's it's it fucking makes me want to puke but that being said um don johnson everyone's now favorite typecast racist because that's all he plays now <laughs> yes watchman is uh, yep uh, uh Django. Django. Yeah. So he's just he's just an old southern racist guy now, which I think is hilarious. Uh but he puts on like a an admirable like karaoke level performance. Like if you go to like a professional karaoke bar, this guy would be like one of the headliners, you know. Um it's not great, but it's not it's not unlistenable either. Um But yeah, no, in the chorus like love it or hate it that shit sticks in your head it's like all other 80s pop rock where all they gave a shit about was the chorus and they put so much time into making that chorus memorable that the rest of the song kind of sucks that's all 80s pop rock it's it's but that's why i think i love it so much because it's like they thought like hey you know people only remember the chorus anyway so let's just fucking make them as cool as possible for an entire decade. Yeah, <laughs> it works. And that's that's what this is. I mean, I don't really like this song, but this fucking chorus has been stuck in my head all goddamn week. I've been humming it all week, dude. And I, I don't want to, but I have to. This is the definition of an earworm. And that's for a man who played a sleazy Miami cop and is now just a racist. That's that's a pretty high compliment. I think in... um. <laughs> In Watchmen, he sings, and that was the first time I was he like, does. oh, Don Johnson sings, man. And he sings really well. I think he did it a cappella, like around a dinner table, and I was like, mm-hmm. damn. So I, I, when I saw he had like an 80s album, I'm like, it's probably going to be all right, you know? So, yeah, it, it surprised me for sure. Yeah. Ready to move on? All right. Let's do it. Number two but from me is Starman by David Bowie. Uh, and... This, I think, was my lowest hanging fruit because, I mean, David Bowie is a legendary, he's an icon in the music world. And really, he he's he's well-respected in the acting world, too, I think. I mean, rest in peace, David Bowie. Um, I picked Starman because it's my favorite David Bowie track. Um, again, mainly for that chorus. It's just really, really, there's something about it that just kind of hits you right in the heart when he goes to Starman. And it's just something about that that uh, that note shift that is just really, really captivating. And um, but yeah, no, I, I put them on this list because I love. I grew up with Labyrinth, and Jareth the Goblin King is just such a great villain. He's he's almost like an anti-hero in a way. He he's he's evil for sure, but he's not like pure evil, and. Uh, He's just got a really cool presence. He looks, he looks, he's like a ch- evil Prince Charming in a way. It's, it's just a really cool villain in a weird Jim Henson movie with, I think it was Jennifer Connelly's first like big role as well. Really? Yeah. She was like 15 or 16 in this movie. Um, I don't know. It's like I said, I grew up with it. And so just, I've always known David Bowie since I was a kid, even though if I didn't, even if I didn't know it was him and, any role where you become the sexual awakening for millions of people, both men and uh, men and women, with his very prominent bulge throughout the entire movie, that deserves to be on a list somewhere. Yeah. Um, and like I said, like I might not be the hugest David Bowie fan, but you can't deny that he is an absolute icon in the music industry, 
and Jareth is an iconic role that a lot of people gravitate to. Like I know you talk about how Zoe loves the same role. So yeah, L- Labyrinth is one of her favorite movies. Um, and I, when I saw this pick, I was like, David Bowie's an actor. Like that's just a gap in knowledge, I guess I have. But um, I looked up his IMDb credits. He was Nikolai Tesla in The Prestige, which is one of my top fifty favorite movies. Um, it's a really good movie, and he he does so well that you don't even recognize him. Like, yeah. Looking back, I'm like, what? No, that was just like some no name actor. Nope, it was David Bowie. Um, but it just shows what I know. And my like you mentioned, my wife loves Labyrinth. That's one of her favorite movies. Um, and I'm not very familiar with Bowie's music, like anything 70s and 80s. I, I just like it's just kind of a dark era for me. I don't. I'm not mm-hmm. very well versed. Um, without hearing it like in pop culture or in movies. Um, and this show, the song really showcases his talent as a singer. And it kind of sounds a lot like the rock artists from that day, mainly Creedence Clearwater Revival. I got that feel the second I heard it. And I was like, damn, it's kind of crazy that I I always imagine like David Bowie being like a pop artist, not more of like a, a rock contemporary artist. Yeah. And I read your CCR note and I was immediately like, that's fucking wild. Because I can't imagine two vastly different people than John Fogarty and David Bowie. But I went back and listened to it. And specifically in the verses, I can kind of see where you're coming with that. Um, I've just, it's just a, a, a comparison I never would have made because I, I love CCR, grew up with CCR. And I just never made that, uh, that comparison. So it's just struck me as like how different points of reference can kind of lead to very different opinions on things. Um, but yeah, no, I, I it's, it's it, I don't know, it just kind of struck me because I was like, oh, wait, hold on. Is he, is he right or is this totally off base? <laughs> yeah, it, and I think it's part of it is like you grew up with them being in totally separate camps. So like you would mm-hmm. never make that connection. So it is kind of funny, especially when I show you like punk rock music and like yeah. some yeah, of your, very your touchstones. I'm like, oh, uh, no, 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 <laughs> you're wrong. He's kind of <laughs> right, but he's wrong. Yeah. Um, so my third pick, Black Sheep by Metric, featuring Brie Larson. Um, mm-hmm. So this song existed before with just Metric, and uh, Brie Larson lended vocals specifically for the movie Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Um, and it's my clever way of being able to talk about one of my favorite movies, because Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is top five. Um, it's perfectly placed in the film, and Brie Larson... Um, lending her voice to this song was surprising because you just assume she's like, uh, you know, she's not actually singing. You assume she's just mouthing the words and playing her part in the movie. Um, but her voice is actually really cool. It sounds perfectly mid two thousands alt rock. Um, when all girls wanted to sound like Evanescence and there was actually a, a local band that I grew up with. And she sounds very similar to it. And I think that's why I always like the song is like, it reminded me of the local band called Harmon from Lebanon. And it was just cool to have like that kind of memory with it. Um, but chef's kisses, man, this, every time that bass kicks in and you hear like, hello again, friend of a friend. And you're like, yeah, he's like, Oh shit. And Scott Pilgrim realizes it's his ex on stage singing. Like it just, perfectly accentuated uh in that movie and the fact that brie larson can sing and decided to on the song fucking dope 
Yeah, respect. Um, yeah, no, I, I still have never seen Scott Pilgrim. I know every time you bring it up, you're highly offended by that fact. Um, I'll watch it at some point, I promise. Uh, but You'll go to your grave not watching Scott Pilgrim. No, no, this is one of the things you suggest to me that I'm actually interested in because I, I know that movie would be right up my alley. I just never get around to it. Maybe I'll watch it today. How about that? We'll see. Yeah, we'll Stranger, see. <laughs> Stranger Things is out. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I saw Brie Larson. I expected this is where I kind of talk about that classic pick me girl, like Zoe Deschanel girl in her guitar kind of vocal. That's what I expected. But what I got instead was kind of a punk rock banger. And I, it blew me away. Um, I think having the context of knowing it, if I had known it was from Scott Pilgrim, it would have obviously altered my initial thoughts on the song. But yeah, it's it's really cool. She's she's kind of reminiscent of the same thing we talked about with Olivia Olson earlier, where she's got that sweetness to her voice, but there's an edge to it. And this is way more on the punk rock edge side of it, uh, rather than kind of that tough Cali girl edge. But it's still cool. Like I dig this. I dug this track a lot. It's loud and it's brash and it's fronted by a sexy lady actress. Like what more could you ask for? And she actually has like very girly pop music from her very early days i think 2003 she was around 18 i think and you know i could have picked it and i was thinking about it but zoe was like no you you love scott pilgrim there's no reason not to (laughs) put it on there like you're right right (laughs) uh so yeah my third pick here i don quixote by christopher lee uh forewarning for anybody listening this is going to turn into just a wikipedia on christopher lee i love this song like i love goofy metal and i think christopher lee has a super cool voice i mean i saw in your notes you asked who the screamer was i don't know i have no idea i I knew at one point but it obviously wasn't important enough for me to to lock it away in a a memory yeah (laughs) so i'm sure we could find it out but um that guy that guy's decent he's like a classic power metal vocalist it's just very kind of cheesy 80s we're talking about Don Quixote in a song yeah. <laughs> with Christopher Lee. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I've always loved Christopher Lee. He's the most interesting man that's ever lived and I won't hear anything else. I mean, just based on like his three main roles, people know him for uh, saw him on the wise count Dooku and Dracula from the hammer movies in this, in the fifties and sixties. It's that alone makes him super cool, but let's get into why, this man also having a metal band that he formed in like his eighties is just one of the many things that makes him an awesome person. So he is a direct descendant of Charlemagne. Uh, he has been in more movies and TV than anyone else in the history of time. He, he has like 260 acting credits, which he's in the Guinness book of world records for. He's also, I think in the most sword fights on screen. Um, he was an eyewitness to the very ever last ever guillotine ex, ex, uh, execution when he was 17. Uh, so he saw the last ever person get executed by guillotine with his own eyes. He served in World War II as an elite of the elite soldiers um, and had this to say about his service. And think of the think of him saying this in his fucking legendary voice. I've seen many men die right in front of me. So many, in fact, that have become almost hardened to it. Having seen the the worst in, that human beings can do to each other, uh, the results of torture, mutilation, and seeing someone blown to pieces by a bomb, you develop that kind of shell. But you had to. You had to. Otherwise, uh, we would have never won. 
and then just a little tidbit by the end of the war he had received commendations for bravery from the british polish czech and yugoslavian governments um he spent time after the war hunting down nazis and bringing them to trial all around europe and he did all of this before he was 25 so he didn't even think about acting until he was 25 he's already lived the coolest like the he's already lived the life of a super spy and this was all before he was 25 we're both significantly older than that by now <laughs> so uh he's related to the author of the james bond series ian fleming and it's rumored that james bond is actually based off christopher lee's life so christopher lee is james bond and ian fleming actually wanted him to play james bond but he didn't do it for one reason or another um in the 50s lee was engaged to henriette von rosen the daughter of count fritz von rosen the Count apparently didn't like Lee because after hiring private detectives to investigate the actor and demanding references, he also refused to allow his daughter to marry him unless Lee got the blessing of the King of Sweden, and Lee got it. Lee was got a blessing to marry a girl from the actual King of Sweden. Um, he's the only member of the Lord of the Rings cast to have actually met and spoken with Tolkien himself. Um, he ran into him at a bar one day and like was a huge fan of Lord of the Rings, and so he sat down and they just had a conversation. Um, he also has like an extensive knowledge of very macabre things. Like he, he has, he, or he had, um, he knew every name of every public executioner employed in England going back to the 1500s. It's just, he, yeah, it, dude, this guy is crazy. Uh, he spoke, he spoke six languages and was once recu recruited by a, a world famous opera singer, um, to be his understudy. Um, he, just, he eventually chose not to do it um, and instead went on to become the most prolific actor of all time. And uh, when he could have very easily been one of the most famous opera singers of all time, which makes sense why he is in a metal band. Um, and then one other thing that I didn't write down, but it's, it's my, maybe my favorite story of Christopher Lee. Um, so if you've seen the extended cuts of Lord of the Rings, there's a part where Lee has to act that he's getting stabbed in the back. And um, Peter Jackson was giving him stage directions on how to like what the noise he should make. And Christopher Lee very calmly asked Peter Jackson if he had ever stabbed someone in the back before. And Peter Jackson, of course, said no. And he's like, well, I have. And this is what it sounds like. And so he... <laughs> it's just... Imagine that, dude. Like, just imagine... Because he doesn't talk about what he did in the, the 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 special services a lot in World War II, but think of this man, this imposing. He was like six five too, so he's a huge dude. Um, just booming voice coming up to you and saying, "Have you ever stabbed a man in the back?" <laughs> because I have, and so he acted it the way he's like he because he talked about you don't make any noise; it's just a deep. And like Peter Jackson wanted to make like a big like death moan, but he's like, no, that's not what it's like when you stab somebody in the back and kill them. <laughs> All that being said, Holy it's uh, <laughs> Christopher Lee having a metal band at the age of 80 is awesome. And yes. everything up everything up to that point in his life is just it's just a it's just a little bit of extra icing on the coolest cake a human could have ever made for themselves. You you sold me. I, I I'm ready to watch a documentary on Christopher Lee's life. It's he's incredible. Um, <laughs> sorry, it, I, sorry you had to follow that up. 
I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I guess just to talk about your pick, we knew it was going to get weird at some point, and who better for it to get weird with than Count Dooku from Star Wars, Saruman from uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, it's obvious he was a really great operatic singer, and that kind of yeah. works in the power metal world, um, just from what I've heard that you've shown me. And um, nonetheless, it's corny and lovely to know that it exists, and the fact that, like, he took the time to make it sound good. Um, and being on an album titled Metal Night is just a perfect summation of what you need to know. Like, I feel like everything I just said should paint a pretty good picture of what this song sounds like without hearing it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically just a lot of the tracks that he does on the, like, four albums that he released in his 80s. He just does a lot of spoken word stuff. Cause... But this is one of the few tracks he actually does sing on. And I love the when the chorus gets in, he's like, I... Don Quixote. It's just, it's like, fuck, dude. He could fucking rattle mountains with that voice. It's just so cool. I wish I could have seen it live. He could rattle mountains. That's a beautiful way to to finish up our little mini docu series we just did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't often get a chance to talk about how much I love Christopher Lee, so I had to take the chance here. Um, full disclosure, Christopher, I confused Christopher Lee with Christopher Lloyd from Back yeah. to the Future. Um, yeah. so I'm glad I looked it up before I really buckled down and, <laughs> yeah. and doubled down on that. Um, very different person. Very. Um, so yeah, track four. You ready to get into my fourth pick? Yes, let's. Um, Nobody Knows by The Driver Era, um, which is Ross Lynch. People know him from um, The Chilling... What's it called? The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, my friend Dahmer, he was on Disney Channel in his early days. Um, this is objectively my best pick song and probably the artist I've listened to the most on this playlist. Um, Ross Lynch and his, his two-headed monster band called Driver Era... Um, it's with his brother too, which I think is really cool. It's what's great about modern alt pop. Um, it's surprising and different, just has a quality that makes it accessible to everyone. Um, and Ross Lynch's name isn't used for clout in this band either. And it easily could be, it could be a fucking Disney band or, you know, trying to capitalize off the Sabrina shit and try to be like spooky, but it's really just like really good pop. And they, they have a little bit of grime to them, and it's definitely just like something. It's kind of like the the DJO band we list, we were talking about earlier. It's just like different, and I I've been listening to them for a while now, and I really like the Driver era. Yeah, I mean, from this first second this played, I was like, okay, this is actually a legit band. Like you can just tell right away. Like production value was there um, before even like an actual musical note was played. It's like that little weird kind of noise at the beginning of the song. I was like, Oh, okay, this is legit. Um, so that's a good sign, right? When you go in and you can tell right away that, you know, in a list, in a a playlist of kind of joke picks for us, this, this is actually a legitimate artist. Um, yeah. And this, this, when I was listening to it over the course of the week, I couldn't divorce myself again. This is going to be probably a weird touchstone for you, but it's, it reminded me of, what I call the killers era of, of rock music um, where I just kind of dismissed that whole side of that musical like rock revival that was going on at the time. And uh, it makes me sad that I did, that I was such a snob at the time. And I just refused to listen to a lot of the cool shit that was coming out at that time. Cause this sounds 
vaguely reminiscent of that's that type of like alternative pop rock that was going on that was actually super cool um in hindsight and yeah it's just a solid pop rock track and you know it it is exactly what it is and i i really i've learned to come to appreciate that style of music yeah yeah it it's uh it's surprising because i assumed and even in sabrina he's kind of like the quintessential like good boy harvey and he's on disney channel you just don't imagine his pop music being decent so i had the same trepidation before really committing myself to the driver era cool uh number four for me chugging right along after my diatribe there um so four for me is zephyr by christian nairn and utenberg utenberg um, I'm sure I said that incorrectly, but this is Hodor from Lord of the Rings, or Lord of the Rings, Jesus fucking Christ, Game of Thrones. <laughs> this is the actor that played Hodor, and I remember when I found out that the actor who played Hodor, who is a Hulk of a giant hulking f- mass of flesh in the in the show, was actually like a super nice dude, really underspoke, like really soft spoken. EDM producer who's been grinding it out in clubs in England for years. He's tatted up blown too. Away. Yeah, I mean he's like he's he just looks like a super cool kind of like overweight biker dude who's just super nice, and but he makes like kind of dope like trance like club style trance, and it's you know it's nothing crazy. It's not he's not like a you know an, an elite world class producer, but the stuff he makes is high quality. It's uh it's got really good production value. Um, it's, you know, it's your basic trance where it just continues to build. There's a cool little, um, drop in like the very beginning of this song. And then it just continues to build from there. Um, he's just, it, it, I think just knowing that it's Hodor behind the turntables just lends it a little bit more of sweetness and kind of, I don't know. They just, it, it, it makes me feel good listening to it, knowing that hold the door is there yeah and and um, who can forget that ben carter's seen him live yeah 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 of course he has that means he's legit yeah i mean i i honestly i i i know you're joking but i kind of agree with that <laughs> like ben's been to a ton of festivals and the fact that he specifically wanted to point out that he's seen christian there live is that's a that's a pretty big endorsement in my book so yeah it it is cool and I'm I'm not crazy about this song. I think I've made yeah. my my stance on trance very clear, um, and I kind of figured I wouldn't, knowing that Ben called it trance. But it doesn't change the fact that I would blare the shit if if I had the chance. Like if yeah. I had a little bit of a tipsy going and I wanted something with some bass and something that kind of just like keeps the shoulders moving. This song is definitely there for you. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's it's a cool. It's like now you have a bit of popcorn like pop culture knowledge that not a whole lot of people have you know you're talking about game of thrones with a couple buddies you're drinking some beers and like hey do you know hodor makes you know kind of decent edm they're like no no way and then you put this on and it's it's just kind of a cool thing to bring up with you when you're drinking with some buddies yeah um i was i was working with uh aaron yesterday or two days ago that was yesterday we were talking about game of thrones and i did that exact thing i was like you know hodor is an edm producer and she's like, no way. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of decent too. So I played her this track and she's like, oh shit. And then I, I left to, to go up into the office and I came back down 
and she was still listening to them. And I was like, oh, cool. Yep. <laughs> so she liked it. So um, it's just a cool little, it's a, it's a cool thing to think about that maybe one of the most emotional moments in movie history or like TV history with the hold the door moment is also a guy who makes, you know, just happy go lucky EDM trance. Yeah. <laughs> just makes him more likable. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so yeah, let's get into your fifth pick because f- I can't wait to talk about it. Yes. Lose your soul by dead man's bones, um, which has Ryan Gosling most famously from, the movie Drive, The Notebook, just so many different things. Um, remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. Oh my God! Remember when his dad got him back on the lineup, even though he was f- fucking it all up. And yeah, put, you remember when Ryan Gosling sucked at football? Yeah, and they had to put <laughs> Petey in there, a running back. Yeah, <laughs> a running Fuck back better at, at corner than he is. Um, I fucking hate Remember the Titans. Fuck that movie. You brought it up. You brought it up just to get yourself mad. Um, I did. You're right. <laughs> uh, and this, I I think I like the lore and the idea of this more than yeah. I like the track. Um, 100%. Ryan Gosling was dating Rachel McAdams, and Rachel McAdams' sister had a boyfriend. And him and Ryan Gosling met, and they were, like, talking about their love of horror and like classic horror and they decided to make like a horror band and it sounds like it would be like a match made in heaven and this is this is still kind of bizarre but it's just like lacking direction i think and it's haunting and way weirder than i would ever expect something from ryan gosling to be um as a as a fellow horror lover i love the haunted house feel and it kind of captures that with like the creepy kids singing along but the creepy kids, I think overstays its welcome, kind of makes you more just like weirded out. Like, I can't listen to this without headphones in. I don't want to listen mm-hmm. to this around anyone. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just love how the the band came together. And it's just classic guy stuff, you know. <laughs> you're yeah. bonding over someone you hardly know. And then next thing you know, you're you're planning a trip to... Boca Raton, you know, like it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing it. We're going on a guy's trip. But instead of the guy's trip, you're making a band. And uh, I just like how ominous it is, especially in light of seeing him as Ken in the new Barbie movie. It's just like it's like the perfect mesh of both worlds. Yeah. um, And when I was like trying to find something a little little bit off the beaten path, like I had stumbled on this and I read that same story. I was like, oh, this should be cool like i like ryan gosling i think he's a really good actor um drive is an awesome like kind of it's a more gritty role so i was like oh maybe he can do like a, a horror side project and knowing my love for horror side projects with or not horror bands like misfits squar um robs and white zombie like that's that's my shit like i was like oh dope i'm gonna love this um and then i started listening to it and it's some of the worst shit i've ever listened to <laughs> It's, it's fucking miserable. Uh, but I really, really wanted to like it. So I listened to most of that album. And I was like, oh, maybe the next one will be good. Uh, maybe the next one will be good. And then I just skipped ahead to the title track. And it was the worst song I'd ever heard. Um, and it just really smacks of me to like that really rich, sheltered white kid who you meet. And he's like, oh, I've got a really dark sense of humor. 
but they don't and it's like oh cool you laughed at a dead baby joke once so now you think you have a dark sense of humor like get the fuck over yourself and i really think this it really feels to me like what rich people think hot topic is yeah <laughs> that's what this ba- that's what I, this band sounds like to me i think it's like originally so they were i think originally they were like trying to make like a horror musical out of it yeah and it doesn't work in any capacity and i just feel like they're so detached from what that they're so detached from the audience they were trying to reach does that make sense like yeah. they, they don't really have a footing in that in that kind of niche it, you know think about the the hardcore festival we went to couple weekends ago and those those are the people they were trying to reach that kind of like those outcasts of society and but they can't because he's ryan gosling and he made this after he was famous so he has no touchstone for the community he was trying to be a part of and it just it really reeks of fake fakeness and I, i think it probably it's not you know i'm not trying to shit on ryan gosling it's just he doesn't have the proper social context to make what he was trying to make and it just really rings false when it when it comes out. And I, I love the idea, and I'm sure he had fun doing it. And again, this wasn't for me. It was just something him and his buddy wanted to do. Um, but it reeks of Hollywood. I, th- I think they could have worked out some kinks if they would have kept going. Like they could have gradually gotten better. Because if yeah. you're if you're not like a recording artist, you haven't done that a lot. Your first album's probably going to be trash. You know, we mm-hmm. listen to a lot of music, and your first album's either your best work or something you got to work through to get to your best stuff. And I think the fact that there was only one album probably rings that it was like kind of a work in progress and it just was unfinished and they kind of left it that way. Yeah. And, in, and to your point too, like there was some cool kind of tones to it. Like, cause I, you know, like I said, I didn't immediately like, Oh fuck no, I'm not doing this. There was enough there to where I was like, okay, maybe it'll get better. Maybe it'll get better. And then it just never did. And then I got increasingly more angry because I wanted it to be so good so badly. And I think it's it that's sort of a reflection of how disappointed I was because I really wanted to like it because I was like, this is going to be so much my shit. And it ended up just not being my shit at all, which, again, you know, it sucks. But um, <laughs> my last note was, fuck you, gauze. This was bad. <laughs> I was but- just really angry. It's the but same that's thing. Not like, how it's I an, really feel. It's another trivia thing. Like, hey, you know what? You know Ryan Gosling has a band? <laughs> that's yeah, how I found yeah, it. Exactly. I found it on TikTok. Someone was like, did you know Ryan Gosling has a band? I was like, I did not. But I will add it to this playlist. Yeah. Um, again, I, I, I'm not shitting on Ryan Gosling. I'm sure he's a he's a lovely man. <laughs> I'm sure he is. <laughs> well, it's it's just, it, well, you think about it, too. You have um christopher lee who has a working knowledge of every public executioner who worked in england who and i think that's what ryan gosling was trying to be yeah <laughs> he just didn't quite get there he just didn't have the right knowledge base <laughs> to, to hit to hit to hit what he wanted he's like yeah i like spooky stuff yeah i'm a bad boy <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah so let's let's i don't want to keep shitting on ryan gosling so let's let's move on um to my last pick, On the Water by Steve Martin and the Steep Canyon Rangers, which immediately is an awesome name. Um, and I think it's common knowledge at this point that Steve Martin might be a top five banjo player, not only currently, but maybe of all time. He's just a prolific banjo player, and I think he's well-respected in that world. Um And I've, I've never really listened to a whole lot of his music because it's like, 
again, bluegrass isn't something I want to listen to all the time. But fuck, when I do, when I heard this song, man, I was like, this shit is just so fucking good. <laughs> like everything about it is perfect. It's like it's a guy. It's a it's an Appalachian mountain shanty. And knowing that it's Steve Martin behind it, and I know like what a genuine person Steve Martin is just from interviews and stuff like that. He's just very kind of soft spoken. Um, but you can kind of, you can feel his passion for it and you don't become one of the best banjo players of all time without being super passionate about what you're doing. And, um, and I've said it once, I've said it a million times. You can't be sad listening to mountain or mountain music or bluegrass music. It's impossible. There's just something about a banjo and a country fiddle that just reaches into your heart and, and just pets it and lets you know everything's going to be okay, man. It's just, there's just, just something that is transcendent in the human spirit when those two instruments come together and you get, you know, those shanty kind of chants that they do. It's just, man, it's just so fucking good. It's just, and again, uh, just on a musical note, I don't know how hard it is to make, harmonics ring like that on a banjo but i imagine it's incredibly difficult because it's it's hard to make harmonics ring like that on an electric guitar and to do it on an acoustic banjo like that where there's like no open resonance chamber it's fucking incredible like it's just it speaks to his talent on that instrument he's he's just the coolest dude he is just the coolest he's he's an iconic comedy actor and he fucking is an icon in bluegrass like it just It, it's it's a testament to like the way we put people in boxes like oh you're an actor you're probably surface level you don't give a shit about anything but yourself but like I, if anything this playlist shows that like s- these people have such diverse lives outside of acting um mm-hmm. and P- steve martin is like the shining example of that like bluegrass you have to care about bluegrass you can't yeah. just like oh i'm gonna put out an album and suddenly I'm going to pick up a banjo. Banjo is something you have to work at for years to be good at it and then be a star at it. And I think I've told this story before. My wife Zoe saw him at a bluegrass festival in the mid-2000s. And she was like, well, her grandma was really excited because she took him to this bluegrass festival. And she was like, I was like 10 or 11. I was like, I don't give a shit about bluegrass, but uh, yeah, Steve Martin was there. And I was like, dude, that's such a cool story that you can take with you forever. Um, yeah. But the the group singing the, I think you called it shanty, but it is very like shanty-esque. The mm-hmm. ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like it's casting over a mountain. I don't know how they made that sound or how they captured that sound. It sounds like it's ringing over a mountain. And Yeah, man yeah it's it's beautiful like the spoken word lyrics is perfect the banjo and it's just like perfect mountain music yeah i imagine when like you when you saying it cascading over mountains is a perfect visualization for it because when i heard it i just imagined being down in like a a river valley or some holler and all of a sudden you hear that coming from the mountains up above you and it's just like it painted the super ser- like serene scene of I don't know. I feel like Appalachian people get a bad rap, but they, they live in their own happy little universe. And there's something to be said for that. And uh, this kind of encapsulates that, that, that mountain spirit perfectly for somebody who's never lived in it, but has always kind of romanticized it. And I don't know. It's just really, really good to me. I'd love to like 
play this for somebody that's lived in a holler and see what they think about, see if it captures it. But for me, I could be totally Ryan Gosling right now where I don't have the proper touchstones to know what would make this good to the people it's trying to reach. But I think, I think I'm probably on base because Steve Martin is well-respected in that genre. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. My dad grew up in the holler, so I'll have to show him when I go see him today. Hell yeah. Let me uh, know. Let, report back. Let me know what he thinks. I will. <laughs> um, let's do songs of the show. Yeah, let's do it. You want to go first? Sure. Um, so I've been in a huge instrumental kick uh, recently. And I rediscovered my love for Polyphia this week. I listened to, I was like, you know what? I don't want to, li- I want to listen to something heavy, but I don't really want to listen to metal because I like when I get in a metal mood, it's like, who the fuck do I listen to? There's so many bands that I love. So I just default, I defaulted to Polyphia. I was like, I threw on Goat, which is a song of the show I've had before. And I was like, yeah, this fucking rocks. And so I just decided to listen to that whole album. And and every time I listen to it, I've been listening to it all week. Every time I listen to it, this Death Note featuring Ichika, uh, I think that's how you say that, um, stood out to me. It's just, it's, Polyphia is um, prog metal instrumentals. And it's just so fucking cool, man. It's super bass heavy. Like the tones are so goddamn rich from every single instrument. Like the drums are super rich and meaty. The guitars are super rich and meaty. And the bass especially is just, it's some of the best bass tone I've ever heard. I mean, think back to um, Nuclear Power Trio and that bass tone they had there. It's, it's very, very similar. And every time I listened to it, I was like, this is like the next evolution of Strawberry Girls kind of where they're already doing kind of that weird off kilter stuff, but they're just Polyphia takes it to that next level of mastery and technic technical playing and heaviness to it that it's uh I don't know, they're kind of like the the tippy top of instrumental prog metal right now for me. Yeah, it was funny when you when you mentioned that band you picked last week, the uh was it Pigeon something? The song was called oh, Pigeon. Yeah. It was it was uh bird problems and it was pigeon superstition or something like that was the name of the band the second you said it kind of reminds me of polyphia i was like he's gonna be listening to polyphia the rest yeah. of the week <laughs> yeah yeah sure and lo and behold i sure did i fucking <laughs> i played the wheels off that album this week um yeah i i really liked your pick i thought it was uh like you said it, it was nice to hear some metal without the the like um the vocals that sometimes can really make it better or sometimes you don't want vocals and we, we get in those moods and I, I, I kind of feel where you're at because, you know, we were talking about lo-fi and it was just like the next evolution. After you get out of your lo-fi kick, you want, you want music, but you don't necessarily want like vocals or, yeah. Yeah. Um, my song of the show, both sides by no pressure. I've mentioned no pressure probably more than any other band just because it's um, just so exciting because I'm a big story so far uh, advocate and they haven't released a lot of music, but to hear their lead singer Parker in this new side project, it's a three man punk rock band and there's, there's no pop in it whatsoever besides maybe the courses. It's just straight punk. And to hear that, like no effects kind of early dude ranch blink just to hear that and know that it can still exist just like i don't know man it makes me 
it makes me about as happy as I can be because you imagine that kind of music's in the past and then you hear something new that can capture that sound and that feel and like be authentic. It just like it's perfect summer music for me and I really wanted to pick this for like a summer my summer essential album but it was just like I don't know. I didn't want to ruin it, so I've been enjoying it on my own time, and this is probably the standout track from the 10-song album. Yeah, dude, I'm so happy you mentioned No Effects, because they're one of my, like, they, they are, like, a punk standard for me. Like, when I was younger, growing up, and I was trying to decide if I liked punk or not, and I heard bands like No Effects, and I'm like, yeah, this shit is fucking cool as, as hell. Um, it's perfect for a, a uh, a teenage boy who doesn't quite know his place in the world yet you know it's loud it's fast it's it's it doesn't mean a whole lot but it means everything to you and it's just to hear that again and to see the album art that is reminiscent of like early no effects album art stuff like that it's it was just a really cool trip down that that lane for me and it's it's kind of the same way I see every time I see someone with like a bad brains shirt on. I'm like, hell yeah, you know what punk is? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like you know what actual punk is, and it, that's that's cool to me because you know you'll get people they're like, oh yeah, I like I like Blink and I like Green Day, but and then they'll have no idea who No Effects and and uh, Jesus Christ, what's the band I just talked about? <laughs> bad brains. Bad brains. Yeah, bad brains. I was like, I just all of a sudden it just went left my head. And then, so it's just, it's kind of like that litmus test for like true punk fans, kind of. And I'm not even like, I, I wouldn't consider myself a true punk fan, but I know what real punk is because I did, I, I had a phase where I was really trying to dig in and see like what is the core of punk. And I, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, especially even people my age, they think that punk started with Blink and Green Day, but there was so much before. And people always talk about the waves of, of emo and pop punk and you know it it's fun to be a historian but it's also nice to know where you came from and yeah. people that are really into no pressure and they're like i've not heard anything quite like this it's fun to be like if you like this dude let me take you on a trip yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah that was my song of the show and i'm probably i'm gonna try and not pick no pressure songs for the rest of the summer but it's odds are i'm going to yeah, that's totally fine, dude. <laughs> Have we we haven't really talked about what we're doing next week? No, I mean we could do the show tunes thing. I think that would be a, a good challenge for us. Um, yeah. we can have Zoe on. Um, we're getting close to our hundredth episode too, so we need to start talking with uh, Louie and Ben and come up with an idea for that. Yeah, yeah. We can maybe um, do like our favorite songs of the podcast thus far. Oof. Yeah, our top five songs we've listened to in the last hundred episodes. Just do a draft. Everyone has to draft their favorite songs. Yeah, um, yeah. It, I don't know if we've mentioned this on air yet, but we're taking the month of August off mm -hmm. personally. But that means we're still going to be airing episodes. They're just going to be um, a little bit different, and we'll talk about that as the the weeks go by. But yeah. Um, after July, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break, and we'll be back in September. And I think around September, mid-September is when our 100th episode is. So we're really excited. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, figure, we, may, we may or may not do the, the show tunes list, but um, it's our only working idea currently. Yeah. <laughs> so. We could reprise some from last summer, too. So we'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. 
Um, if you want to check out our Twitter, it's at OffCliff. Our Instagram is at OffTheBeatenCliff. And our Gmail is OffTheBeatenCliff at gmail.com. Yeah, and thanks to Mason for interacting with the Instagram post. Uh, I'm really bad since Dylan's still on his uh, social media hiatus. I've, I apologize for posting the episode post a day late every day so far <laughs> since I've been running it. Um, but yeah, no, thanks again for, for, uh, you know, everybody who interacts with our stuff. It means a lot to us. Yeah. Yeah. We love it. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening guys. We'll see you next week. Yep. Bye.